Welcome to the A Better Next Birth podcast. Today we have the pleasure of talking with Elise Vitali, San Diegan, who comes from a big close family, mother of two, and is executive director for a nonprofit. Elise and I got to know each other because she elected to have me as her midwife. And we spent some really interesting times together, which I'm hoping she'll tell us about. We also have the unusual pleasure today of having Amy Osgood here with us. Amy has just started on as my student as a midwife and is also a veteran doula. She's been a doula for five years and is a truly extraordinary listener of women. And I think she'll, I think she'll lend some great questions to this podcast. Elise, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. It is a cold, drizzly morning here in San Diego. Nothing, nothing too summery yet, even though it's almost July. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get to summer. Maybe (laughs) it'll come. It'll probably come around noon. Yeah. Or October. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, Elise, tell us about how you and I met. Yeah. It was March, 2020. And for those who don't remember, that was the beginning of the pandemic. I was 36 weeks pregnant. I had taken a class, like a birth prep class with one of my favorite humans and my doula, Shelly Rahim. And then the pandemic hit. So I finished my birth class, the pandemic hit, everything shut down. And I was talking with Shelly about what am I going to do? I don't think I want to be in the hospitals, but I'm about to give birth. What am I going to do? And, and she gave me your name and we talked on the phone and the trajectory changed from there. How was your birth with Julian? Can you tell the folks who are listening who don't know that story? Give us how that was for you. Yeah. So Julian is my first child and I always felt so lucky. I had a really beautiful birth with Julian. Julian is seven and a half. He's going into first grade. So this was a little while ago. And I was just telling some friends how I used to tell his birth story all the time. They were asking if he was scared when Vaughn was born. I was like, no, let me tell you his birth story. And it reminded me of how I used to talk about it with him a lot. When I got pregnant with Julian, I had a fire within me to just do things exactly how I wanted to do them. And that was a new feeling. And so for his birth, what I felt was really true to what me and my husband wanted to do for his birth was to try and go into it without having an unmedicated birth. And so we found a doula and we did a lot of preparation. I read way too many books that really some books are great. Also, birth is not an experience you have through a book, but I read a lot of books. I had a doula. We had Julian at a birth center. The plan was to try and labor at home as long as I could. He was two weeks early. He totally surprised me. This is my favorite part of the story, but I'm going to tell it a little bit faster than I normally would because we have a lot of things to talk about. So (laughs) I went into labor two weeks early and Vince and I were still remodeling our house. And he had, my husband had all these plans to like finish everything before Julian came. It's like the thing, at least like people love to remodel, like, especially the really most important parts of the house, like the bathroom and the kitchen are always like remodeled right before you. And then it's, are you going to have a place to cook? Can you go to the bathroom? In this scenario, it was our master bedroom. So we were sleeping in what is now Julian's room. And Vince was like mudding the walls and (laughs) I wake up, it's midnight. I stand up and he hears me. He comes into the room and I say, I'm peeing. And I was peeing all over the floor. And he said, stop peeing. I was like, I can't stop peeing. (laughs) 
course, I wasn't peeing. It was my water breaking. And he got a whole bunch of towels. And it really took me like a solid two minutes to figure out like, oh, I'm going into labor. I had prepared for all of these things in labor, but not my water breaking. Vince knew nothing about water breaking. And I, I, it takes me like two full minutes. I'm like, I think I'm going into labor. And he's, and Vince goes, okay, I think I can finish the mudding on the walls. Like tomorrow? I was like, no, like now, honey. Anyways, he, I, we still haven't finished that room, but we do now sleep in there. Labor was really fast with Julian. It took about a total of 13 hours after my water broke. It was like a progression. Like within an hour, I started having contractions and they like slowly progressively grew. And then it hit a point and my doula came over all the steps. At this point, I was in like a good rhythm. Vince, of course, he wanted to go do, this is like how I think just like the part, they need something to do. So he was cleaning the bird cage downstairs. And that was like really important. I can't bring a baby home with the dirty bird cage. But so he's out cleaning and he hears me get up because what happened was, is like it changed all of a sudden. I looked at Shelly, my doula and said, I think it's time. Oh, but wait. I got to get through this contraction. And that contraction was like a solid two minutes. It was longer than all the rest. I definitely transitioned. And then I said, I have to go to the bathroom. I went and I sat on the toilet. I was like, I'm pushing, but I can't. And she took a look and she's like, you need to get up right now. We got to go. You are not moving. You are. Anyways, wait. So she gave me three choices. Vince comes running upstairs. She said, we can do this here, which wouldn't be great. We can call an ambulance. Or we can get, and they'll take you to the closest hospital or we can get in the car and we can go. And so we, I, like I, we were giving birth at the birth center. It was about a 25 minute drive from our house. I want to do our plan. That's what I planned. So we get in the car. (laughs) Vince has never driven faster. It was a wild ride. I remember there was two gardeners in their work truck. They pulled up next to us and Vince was expecting them to flick us off and they were like, go, they could see me laboring in the front. Incredibly supportive. And, and it was like 45 minutes later, I gave birth. Uh. I got to the hospital. They were taking too long with the wheelchair. I had to, I was like, screw this. I'm going, I was still in like my nightie and I was my, my waters were still leaking walking I was like I'm going up to the room Uh, and it was within 45 minutes that I pushed him out and the part of the story that I used to always tell Julian was we worked together and there was a point where I turned into a lioness Julian and together we let out a really big roar and then you were born and as he got older he would say were you still a lioness when I was born? I was like, no, I turned back into mama. And that's, it was beautiful. It was like, it was very, it wasn't easy. I won't say it was easy, but there was nothing too scary. It's even a fun story. I felt a a deep connection with my baby and my partner. I felt powerful. I remember as we were leaving, getting ready to leave the hospital, I could hear another woman going through labor. And I remember just going, I'm with you. I felt so connected Mm. to humans and laboring women. And it was, it was powerful. And I wanted that exactly again for Vaughn. That was my plan. Shelly was going to be there. We were going to go to the birthing center. I was going to have a magical birth where I turn into a lioness again. Your husband was going to be mudding the walls. Yeah, it's going to be great. We are still working on projects. (laughs) And Julian was going to be there. That was a big part. That was really important to me. He was so curious about birth. And I wanted him to be a part of it. And then, of course, the pandemic hit. And in fact, so I'll say the this last thing about Julian's birth. 
is that I, I said afterwards a lot, a couple of times, I was like predicting the future. It's like, wow, that was so incredible. I would even do a home birth. No, that's wild. I went, but it was awesome. I would totally do it, but I wouldn't do a home birth. He was a gift to me that I didn't know at the time. His birth was a gift of confidence and knowledge for my second birth. I love that so much. I'm writing it down. That is <laughs> so beautiful, Elise. I'm really curious. I don't think there's really a way for a person to explain it to another person, but like that feeling that you had, that connectiveness to the other mamas and to yourself and to your own power. Is there any other description that you can give to us so that we might better understand what you mean when you say that? Yeah. So I've talked about this with some other moms about how when you're pregnant, there is this wholehearted belief that you can think something and it goes to your baby. Like everything you do, you're so connected to your baby. You don't even have to say the words out loud. And I remember doing that a lot when I was pregnant, I would just think to them and I just knew it was going to them. And so that is like this really obvious physical connection where they are inside of you. And I think there is something similar that can be tapped into when we are in extraordinary circumstances to other humans as well. And I would say that birth, whatever it looks like, good or bad, and all the in-between is an extraordinary circumstance Mm. where we are connected to others. Even if there's not that, like that, it just, it requires, it requires community so much, even though it's something that we're told we have to do on our own, but it's really not like that at all. It really is a community effort in so many ways, hopefully, in my experience. And I think through that, I was able to find that connectedness to other women where I just, I sent my thoughts to them in the same way that I had my baby and felt a connection to the experience that they were going through. And whether that helped them or not, I don't probably, I don't know. It's, but it was a connectedness that I felt in that same way to my baby. There's a book called The Intention Experiment. And so there, there've been research projects done to see if your intention can actually affect someone else. And the answer is absolutely it can. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. The book is called The Intention Experiment. And the more you know that person, the more that your prayer for them or your intention intention for them will actually carry into their experience of their life. But yeah, it has been proven to work. And it makes so much sense that the connectivity that you're describing, like so many birth workers talk about birth being like a sacred time. And a sacred is like an opening to the spiritual realm. Sacred means that God is with us. And so it makes sense to me that you are inspired to, to recognize that connection because it is very real, both within you and within the other people going through that at that time. Can't say that I'm able to tap into it in my everyday life as well. Because it's every day. Yeah. Yeah. Birth is an incredible experience and it allows you to feel that connectivity to others more easily. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. So that was a profound experience. It sounds like. Yeah. It was beautiful. What did you mean when you said that it, as you said something like it set you up for your second birth? Yeah, it gave me, okay, but you have to know about Vaughn's birth to understand like why it was. And I suppose, I guess any second birth, the gift, your first birth is a gift, whether it is a very hard experience or an experience like mine that, that kind of taught me a lot about my, taught me a lot about myself. So I recognize I don't, 
fully understand how complicated a hard birth experience is. So I'll say that as my caveat. But I do believe that first birth teaches us a lot about what we are capable of and how we make it through, who we rely upon. And this is something I say to my seven-year-old all the time. He gets really frustrated and I remind him, you can do hard things. And I often start with, we, you were born. You were part of that. That was a hard thing, honey. You can do hard things. It is innately in you. And I think we forget about all the hard things that we are capable of achieving. And that hard is not necessarily bad. And so there was so much that I learned about trusting in myself and my my ability to make decisions for myself and my kids and my family. And so I brought to Vaughn's birth, I was faced with a world that looked nothing like I had ever experienced. Everything I knew about the world I was no longer necessarily true. And I had to make instinctual decisions. And I learned from my first birth that I could do that and I could do it effectively. And so what were some of the hard decisions that you had to make? Yeah. So at 30, so I had planned for Vaughn's birth to be just like Julian's. I had been going to a midwifery center that was based in a hospital and I had been seeing a midwife through that was based in a hospital the whole way through. My care looked very clinical and it was at 36 weeks when the pandemic hit that I, that Vince together, we felt like there were a lot of motivating factors and having gone through a very kind of like community partner focused birth. And the first time I knew that I was really terrified of having to do birth alone with a mask on and without my partner and without my family, without a doula, I just didn't believe that I recognized the strength I got from the others in the room and that I needed them there. And that's when I started considering a home birth. It was at 36 weeks. My doula gave me a list of community midwives to talk to. I think you were, I think you were the first and first person I talked to Katie. So yeah, those were the motivating factors. It was, it's, it wasn't part of my plan. I did not think I would have a home birth that honestly seemed wild to me. And I had lots of voices in my head telling me there's lots of things that could go wrong with a home birth. Why would you ever consider it? It's supposed to be done in a hospital. And that's where I liked my like in between. Oh, a birth center allows me some freedoms. But also if something goes horribly wrong, I'm right there. They can. And we talked about that a lot, Katie. I grilled you on. Tell me about all of the risks. And then when I weighed it all out, I remember you saying, I need to make it just like I have other people knocking on my door, Elise. I hate to push you on this, but there are so many people who are looking for a home birth right now. What's your decision? And we had to decide quickly. The other issue, the other challenge was insurance, right? That was, and I won't even dig into that. There were a lot of things in, in, in the world and as it already existed that told me that home birth was not supported. It wasn't supported financially. It wasn't supported by my peers and, and March and April 2020, we were so isolated and I really didn't care anymore what people thought. I had to dig into that instinct and it just was the right choice. It was just the right choice at the time because of all the factors I said. And that it wasn't just like I needed an experience. It was what I knew was healthiest and safest and best for my family. Can I just dig in for just a second? How did you know that it was safe? Yeah, You touched on like that you asked me a bunch of questions. But yeah. I think for anyone listening, and I'm hearing very clearly that you that you had all this stuff to weigh that, that weighed on the home birth side, which was like 
Julian can be there, your husband can be there, your doula can be there. And that that community experience felt really important to you for the connectedness that you already described as being basically so powerful. So I get that's on the plus side, but if you were, if a person was actually worried about safety, how did you deal with the safety concern in your own mind? So we talked about it and I made myself a list. I did all the pros, all the cons. I was like, what would, my mother told me I should make a list of all the pros and cons. And there were a lot of pros and the con, and then all of my like concerns, I won't even call them cons, but my concerns, I remember I talked through with you, like I wrote them down and we went through them. Like how many babies have died, right? Let's go to the biggest fear first. Is my baby going to die if I have a home birth? Because people yeah. tell me, am I going to die? And we talked through all of those things and you said, no, I never had a baby die. And, but you were honest too. Here are like the global risks. Here are the risks within home birth. So those things we talked through and not to say that you couldn't do a home birth if you like, but in my scenario, we talked through all of the risks as they uniquely applied to me. And it was like, okay, I'm going to be giving birth inherently has risks and they are not magnified by doing it at home. Not magnified. I love that term so much. I think that's like a brilliant way to say it. The risks, it's exactly true. Like the risks are not magnified at home. There's Mm -hmm. always a risk in getting in a car. There's a risk in going to the hospital to have your baby. There's a risk in staying home to have your baby. And the risk at home statistically is not greater. So that's what we talked through. And then it was like, okay, so here's worst case scenario. And then let's talk through. So what if something does happen? What is our plan? I went into this thinking like, can you even measure the baby's heartbeat at home? Like, how are you going to do that? I knew nothing (laughs) about like how well equipped and educated you are in birth. You were highly, you are highly educated as it goes with community midwives about birth and different scenarios. You had equipment and plans in place if there was, because sometimes birth doesn't go as expected. And there was a plan for that too. So hundred percent. That's why home birth can be licensed and regulated just like doctors and nurses and plumbers and electricians there's there are guidelines in place and there are skills and techniques and equipment there's all these things in place to make sure that we're keeping it as safe as birth can get and that's what we talked through and when i was weighing out that decision when i listed out all my concerns we were able to tick them all off And, and it was just, it became a really easy decision to make. And what I loved was my, like my parents and my in-laws were ultimately supportive, but they had some concerns. My husband's grandma. So my kid's great grandma. She was like, oh yeah, I had all 13 of my kids at home. You're going to be fine. (laughs) The older generation, I heard that a couple of more times. Oh yeah, you got this. You're not giving your baby birth on newspaper. You're going to be good. Like the vision of home birth has changed quite a bit too. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I think midwifery is really modern today. And we have yeah. all the drugs and equipment that, that they didn't have a hundred years ago. And we still have the hundred year old, hopefully a thousand year old knowledge wisdom. of what to yeah. do with wisdom, right. of what's normal and how do we support normal? I don't think that's communicated enough about how modern I think, or maybe it is communicated, but that's not part of the narrative in society yeah. about what home birth looks like. It is modern. Yeah. So let's, so let's hear about Vaughn's birth. Okay. So <clears throat> Julian came two weeks early. I was fully expecting Vaughn to come two weeks early. 
He did not. His due date was Cinco de Mayo. He did not come on May 5th. He did not come the next week. And I remember sitting on your couch and you, Katie, you had just tried to scrape my membranes. Is that what it's called? Sweep. Sweep. I don't felt like scraping. It wasn't great. And it didn't work. And you were like, you'd said to me, you said, you're like, yeah, it's, you're not quite there yet. Yeah. And you can tell that. And I remember I was just crying with my mask and my tears. And you were like, why are you crying? I was like, because I can't do this. We like put this plan together, Katie, and we have until 13 days and 23 hours and 58, nine minutes. And then you legally can't give, like, then I'm going back to the hospital, right? So we had this plan, right? So like, for those who don't know, community midwives, you can only, at least I learned this from you, you can only deliver babies at home up to two weeks after the due date. Right. And so I had that ticking clock in my head and it was making me feel scared. And like, I didn't know what I was doing. This is very different from my first birth. What am I getting into? Why is he so late? All the questions. He ended up being 11 days late. My dad on day like nine, I was going through with my parents. I was like, I suppose I could drink some castor oil. The sweeping of the membranes didn't work. Maybe I should drink some castor oil. That sounds awful, but I've read the studies and they've done some research on castor oil and it literally makes your body, like everything contracts, but it does have, it could throw me in. And my dad was like, here's what you do. Buy the castor oil. All you have to do is buy it. You won't have to use it. I was like, dad, you sound very confident for a person who's never given birth two weeks later. <laughs> I <don't> hope. <laughs> But I listened to my dad about the castor oil and the day it arrived, I went into labor. I never had to drink it. <gasps> dad I, was right. Dad was right. I still have it in it's, its plastic packaging on my desk, on my bookshelf. It's a little momenta. Anyway, so I, he was 11 days late on, and I remember I was so thrilled when my water started leaking and it was about six o'clock ish at night. And I called Katie. I was like, <laughs> it's all very exciting. And she was like, okay, we'll try and get some rest. Oh, okay. Because with Julian, birth happened, like labor started one hour later, like on the clock. So I decided to get some rest. I've gotten like a great night's rest. And I like leaked a little bit, but, and I was, I felt so stupid. I remember asking you, Katie, I was like, but Katie, I can't like sleep with like towels in between my legs and the leak. Because with Julian, we just shoved a whole bunch of like beach towels under me while I, while my water's leaked. And you were like, what about a pad? I was like, oh. Oh, brilliant. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so I slept a great night's sleep. I woke up the next morning. I think I woke up at around five or six. My sister had been isolating so that she could come and hang with Julian. And so she came over in the morning because I was like, oh, yeah, I think something's happening. She came over around nine. Nothing was really progressing. We went for a walk and the walk helped. And so it was almost like it was like 18 hours later that something like really finally started happening. Mm -hmm. And I had a moment. The house was a little bit of chaos. The Nicole was downstairs with Julian. And I think Shelly was arriving. Or maybe, Katie, you were arriving. And I remember I, I sat on my bed. And I had a moment of, all right. And I was more scared this time. Because I knew how hard birth was. So I was more scared this time. Um, I had a lot of fear. And I sat there. I was like, you're about to, you're about to go into it. You can do this. So I'm sitting on my bed. <clears throat> I take the selfie. And it's like that last moment. And then it, it all starts happening. And with Vaughn's birth, it moved a lot faster than Julian's. So from the time the laboring start, 
started. I think you showed up around noon. I think that's about the time, 12 or one. It went really fast. We had set up the tub, having home birth. I'm going to do it in a tub, set up the tub. And pretty quickly we got into the tub. I had on my, my natural music, nature sounds, Native American flute music. It was like very calm and it was good. And, and then I, the need to push started coming. And wow. that it was, yeah, that fast? it was really fast, Katie. I remember it being really fast, although time is like a weird concept when you're in labor. So it felt very fast to me. It was probably like within an hour of getting in the tub. And I remember with my first birth, I was much more modest. And I remember this time when I went to go get in the tub, I was like, Okay, you're gonna see me naked, so I'm getting naked this time. Then I just started <laughs> off and got in. That is like the beauty of the second time around. You're like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> Elise. Yes. Can I just can you clarify? Okay, so you sat on the bed, you yeah. took a selfie, yeah. You arrived. How much time had passed then before you got in the tub? Was it as soon as Katie arrived? Pretty fast. I feel like Vince was probably still, you had told us to fill up the tub early and we didn't. And, and I remember, so Vince was still like filling up the tub at some point, but it happened, I, in my memory, now it's three years ago, but it happened like within, I think an hour of sitting on the bed, having that moment. I laid on the bed for a little bit. Katie, did you, now that I'm thinking about, did you come in the morning? You came in the morning. Did I? I think you came. I should have checked the chart I meant to, but I didn't before this because it was so busy this morning. No, yeah. yeah. So I think you came in the morning. You checked me and you're like, you're not quite there yet. And I was like, great. Of course, I'm not quite there yet. Like <laughs> I'm 11 days late. I'm never going to give birth. Uh, <laughs> and that's just like how it felt like in the moment. Like, it's never going to happen for me. And then we went for the walk and Nicole, like the whole time, she's like, yeah, I think I'm going to go home. I'm going to catch up on some rest. Like, she had shown up really early and nothing was really progressing. And then, and like, she was getting a glass of water. And I was like, Nicole, oh, I took a shower. That's what happened. I took a shower and, and that like after my walk and in the shower, it was like, I don't know what, is there something magic about a shower that puts you into birth? You're nodding your head. It's like a common, it's like a, a, like a rebounding theme. So many women, the birth story is I, and then I got in the shower and everything picked up. Yeah. Yeah. That was wild. I got into the shower and I remember I kind of, I was like, the shower was, I was like holding on to the walls and I was like, I have to tell Nicole not to leave. And so I like, I threw on my like robe and Nicole, don't go. I think it's happening. <laughs> Is Katie coming? Yeah. She's on her way back and, or Vince call Katie. And you got back quickly. And then I was laying on the bed. So I took the photo, got in the shower, realized, wow, it's starting to happen. I laid on the bed for maybe an hour after that kind of slowly laboring. And then when Katie got here, it was pretty quickly. I moved into the tub and and it was Katie and Andrea. And then my doula, Shelly, my sister, Nicole, and my son, Julian, and my husband, Vince. And what's funny about that, I always tell people, I'm like, I had more people at Vaughn's birth during, in the beginning stages of a pandemic when we were supposed to see no one than I did at Julian's birth. But we had all isolated. We were very safe and it was beautiful. I was, I felt so lucky to have all of you there. I wanted you all there and it worked out. So I got into the tub and, and the pushing sensation happened pretty fast. I think it was within like 30 minutes to another hour of sitting in the tub that I felt ready to push. And I remember asking you, 
I felt you feel so vulnerable. I was like, can I push? And you're like, if you, do you want to push? And I was like, yeah, I want to push and push. And it was so weird because you just leaned into whatever it felt is this weird new space where you really leaned into how do you feel at least me? I, what do I know about birth? But I did. I knew a lot. My body knew for me. And so I started pushing and pushing. And then it was like, wait, I thought you were supposed to push less with the second one. I've heard of two or three pushes. And I was just, I was really deep down in, in it. But I remember at one point you and Andrea and Vince walked into the bathroom down the hall and I was with, just with Shelly. And I was sitting there quietly having a contraction, pushing in the night. I looked up and you all were gone. And then I went back to the pushing part. And Vince later told me that you guys were discussing like, this is like, how long did it take her to push with the first baby? This is starting to feel a little long. We might want to consider if we're going to need to transfer. And when you guys came back in the room, I don't know what, I don't know what changed in me, but I realized, I think I need to get out of the tub. I was really committed to this concept. I'm having a home birth. I'm doing it in a tub, but the tub wasn't the right space. It wasn't the right space for me. And of course you were all very supportive of that. At this point, I think he was like, I had tried to do a couple of pushes and he was crowning and Vince was trying to get him, but he wasn't, I couldn't get him out. And so I don't know if you've ever stepped over the side of a plastic tub while maybe crowning, but it was the least enjoyable experience I have had so far. And then I walked, I don't know, seven feet, 10 feet to the bed. And I remember I had this moment where I I put my head down with my arms on the bed and I did this. And I thought to myself, yeah, I'm I'm done. I'm done for today. I'm not going to have a baby. (laughs) I'm just done. (laughs) Done. And then I had another contraction. So that thought didn't last very long, but I really wanted to live in that moment where I just believed I'm not going to do this anymore. I've had enough. And then I got on the bed and, and I was laying on my back. And when I laid down on the bed, Katie, you were able to see that at that point, that Vaughn's elbow was like this. So every time I pushed, he blocked and he couldn't get out. And then with your magic hands, incredibly excruciating, but with your magic hands, you also got in there and you were able to gently pull out his arm. So then he came out Mm. like Superman and it wasn't too long after that he came out. The other part of that experience is like the people in the room. And so when I started screaming, like I was going, when I got up out of the tub and went over, Nicole realized like, oh, I think Andrea ran downstairs because I wanted Julian to be there. So, yeah, yeah. so Nicole brought Julian up and if I remember correctly, he was sitting on the end of the bed, just watching Vaughn be born Mm. and he wasn't scared. We, and we had talked a lot about this. Like, how do I prepare Julian for birth? We talked about it both scientifically. I talked a lot about Julian, remember when I gave birth to you and I turned into a lioness and I'm going to do that again and I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your support. And so he was really a part of it. He understood the energy. And we talked a lot about, I may be yelling. It may look like I'm hurting, but the pain is there for a reason and it will help me get the baby out. And he got, he understood that at age four, he understood it way better than, than me than any of us. He was there for it and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then the best part of the story is that 
he ended up cutting his brother's cord. Oh. It was so awesome. And I watched that video recently, Katie. And in the video, I might have shared it with you. You say, you go, that was awesome, Julian. I don't think I've ever seen a four-year-old cut a cord before. And he was so proud of himself. And he mm. he was working on his preschool skills. He did a very good job of cutting. <laughs> great. And he just, he was, the videos of how Julian engaged with me during the birth, from watching him be born to even before he came, when I was in the tub, he would come in and he knew he needed to be quiet and calm. And he would, he rubbed my foot a little bit and it just, it was, and I do believe it was magical. And I do believe that his relationship was set on a trajectory with, he was, it wasn't that we were just bringing a new baby into this family. He was part of that. It was, they are connected in a really beautiful way. Like last night, as we laid down for bed, Vaughn fell asleep and he was, he was nursing and Julian curled up around him and petted his head and helped him fall asleep. He's just connected to caring for his brother, I think in a way that started from the very beginning. It just makes sense, right? What's the difference for a four-year-old between mom and dad leaving and three days later coming back or two days later coming back with a person that, that is not. It is like, they don't know. And then the child is the outsider. Then the four-year-old right. is the outsider. You guys are now the family and I'm the outsider. And mm-hmm. that would be just paralyzing if you've been the child your whole life. Right. And then you have to adjust to what is this? What is, what is my relationship to this new dynamic versus what actually happened in Julian's case, which is he's totally part of it. So he's like watching mom and labor. Bought into the process. It was his idea too. So he's part of the new unit instead. And not to say that there wasn't a transition period for him. There was, and there was some difficulties in how we adjust for how we adjust to a new family. But I do think in so many ways that was a helpful, it was the right choice. I was so, that was something I knew from the very beginning. And that was such a motivating factor for me. And it was part of that voice that just told me you can do this. I think I told you this, Katie, I, right before I had a home birth, I was working with a professional coach and the professional coach was really like a therapist, but she called herself a professional coach. And one of the things she said was, I want you to envision your future self who, what does that future self look like? And the whole concept is you can imagine who like this strong, powerful, or add your own adjectives person in the future. And I thought about it, I was like, that doesn't work for me as much. When I picture my future self, what my future self looks like is my pregnant self. Because pregnant Elise is a badass. She gets stuff done. She doesn't question her intuition. She knows how to do things in a way that, like, it's like this magic power that I got when I, and so when I need inspiration, I, what would pregnant Elise do? (laughs) It's helpful. It's a helpful imagery for me. Yeah. I'm just going to take, that's awesome. Elise, one of the things I wanted to bring you on to talk about was this shift. And so as we talked about, this podcast is meant to be so that people will believe in themselves enough to believe that they could get a better next birth in whatever setting they choose home hospital or birth center. And what I love about your story 
is that actually you're not saying out, at least not in so far, you're not saying Vaughn's birth was so much better than Julian's. You're not saying that. And actually it felt being with you in Vaughn's birth. It felt like it was really hard. It was hard because it, it was so much surprise or I'm, this is wrong because it's so much harder than, yeah. I remember in the moment just being like, yeah, this is not what she was, not what any second time mom would expect. Yeah. And it's because his elbow was up. And so he was blocking. Yeah. And so it took a lot longer from the time you got an urge to push to the time he was out was much longer than yeah. I think it was like an hour. It was a long time. It was a long time for a second time mom, Yeah, which is a clue as a midwife. Like when it's taking longer than you expect, there's something, a yeah. hand or yeah. an elbow. And I still think that your story fits the podcast, fits the idea of what do you do to get a better next birth? And I think my story, Katie, is that I wasn't, I was trying to get the same birth. Uh, I I just wanted to do it again. Like I just wanted the same, but that's not how life works. You don't get the same birth two times in a row. Uh, And I was forced into a position because the world blew up uh, to have to lean into my intuition. How do I get, how, like, how do I get a good birth when everything gets thrown on its head? So at 37 weeks, I was changing my plans. That's not how, that's not how you want to do it. But I leaned into my intuition and a hundred percent, I got a better birth than I would have gotten had I continued along the path I was going. And also it revealed to me something that I didn't know about myself. I've told Vince that I came to a home birth and that I actually loved it. One of my favorite things to tell people is Julian cut the cord, the midwives cleaned up. I had a little bit of shaking and like post birth, like there was like 30 minutes to an hour and we got through that and then you were like okay I think it's time for us to go I was like oh but there's wine in the fridge downstairs go have a glass and you know what that would be lovely and I love I don't know why in that moment after having a baby that I just wanted you all to just stay and I wanted to be a hostess without but I wasn't allowed to go downstairs I was told you're not allowed to go downstairs for two weeks I was like two weeks how am I gonna do that I almost stuck to it but, but I loved that that it wasn't just like, you gave birth to my baby, bye. You were part of the community. So it was this, it was a better birth that I didn't even know could happen. And I got there because I leaned into my own intuition. I am so touched. I am so touched. Yeah. Thank you for the honor of getting to be your midwife and the memories that we share. And for the glass of wine that I got to have with Andrea, it's actually really, that's actually a memory I have with her that is really special for me. Yeah. Yeah. Elise. And I do think that you have a a well-cultivated tap into your intuition. I think everyone has their intuition. Just some people haven't really tapped into it or cultivated that, that connection with their intuition. And I, I really appreciate you talking so much about it and letting people to hear you say that that, though, Katie, because it's not like how I self-identify. I don't necessarily, I can't even figure out what we go out for dinner. And I'm like, I can't figure out what to eat. Like I can never, (laughs) it's so hard to make those decisions for me. So it's not how I necessarily Mm self-identify, but it's in there. It's in there somewhere. You're validating that. And I, yeah, that's what I loved about birth. Yeah. What would pregnant Elise eat? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) I will bring that next time. Wait, are you going to have another babies potentially someday? No. 
Oh, okay. The way because I would have to have another home birth. Amazing. I couldn't go back now. <laughs> She's talking about dinner. Oh, <laughs> about dinner, Katie. I will tap into pregnant Elise for dinner choices next time. <laughs> but if I do have another birth, I would 100% have a home birth. Would you cut the cord again if I had another baby? Uh, Hi, Julian. Do you remember Katie? No. If no. I, no, doesn't help. It was longer. You were little. You were only four back then. Yeah, that's true. Amy has a quick question. Yeah, before we go, because it's it's on the lines of that intuition. I noticed that there were two parts of your birth that you completely yourself shifted. It's when you sat on the bed. So when you were sitting on the edge of the bed, took the selfie, it's like you knew that you were going to bring the change. It's, I don't know. Something happened. And then the same thing happened again, I noticed when you were in the tub and then uh-huh. like, I need to get out. Yeah. So, do you have any more to say on that? Or just, you just oh went, I don't know. That's such a good question. You're right. Those were two pivotal moments in my birth. And one of the things Andrea made this big point after the birth, we took all this video and she told me, she said, don't watch it. You're not allowed to watch it. Aww. Process your experience first process before you watch the videos. I still haven't watched some of those videos. Andrea told me not to look at my photos. And so I didn't, she, she is this powerful, wise energy. And if she tells you something, you just listen. And so there are a lot of videos I haven't looked at, and there's so much to process about that, about my birth, about all births that I'm not sure. Amy, it's a really good question. What was it that I tapped into in those moments? They were pivotal moments and I can't really explain it any other way than just an overwhelming sense of maybe calm or knowing that just like I hit a point where it was, I got a shift and I just knew it. And I don't know what changed, but in birth, especially when in an unmedicated birth, the pain can be so intense that you go into a different realm, but you also come like in and out of it. Right. So that like conscious, it's not like an unconsciousness, but it's just, you're in a different realm when you're deep in, into birth. And so it was like the in and out of, I don't know. It's such a good question, Amy, but I don't know what it was that led me to that intuition. It was just something within me, but moments of clarity. It also makes me think of what you said in the beginning about the importance of having the people there, but yet you were the only one who could get through. Right. So it was like, you're like needing the people and you're like aware of the people and how they're supporting you and helping you. But then it's something within yourself that gets you like past whatever hump it is. It is both. It is both. So the audio course that I made to go with the podcast is so much about the birthing person tapping into that inner knowing. And so for me, it's enough for, to say that was your inner knowing, like you just said to yourself, I have to shift. And I think that other women who may not be as supported as you are perhaps, or are still needing some validation for that shift, that hearing you say it may be the thing that when it's happening for them in their birth, they take that with them. And they're like, Oh, I know what to do. And now I remember that Elise said, if you act on it, that's the thing that I needed to do. Oh, that feels mightier than anything that I could achieve, but it's a lot. That's why we're doing it together because we can do more together. Yeah. 
Nobody does anything by themselves that's really that like mo- monumental. Your pregnant ever. self is wise, whether you acknowledge it or not. It's and whether, there. And really whether other people acknowledge it or not. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Or whether other people acknowledge it or not. I think this is a perfect place to say thank you so much for coming on. It is a deep pleasure for us to take this with us today. Thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun. (laughs) Say goodbye, Bon. Bye, Jerry. Okay, all my beautiful pregnant people out there and people who are between pregnancies and people who are supporting pregnant people, thank you all. And thanks for tuning in to A Better Next Birth. Thank you for all the hard work that you do. I know that you're out there doing it every day. Remember to take a break for yourselves. Remember to take a break so that your body can relax and your nervous system can relax. Those breaks, those breaths, even if it's between the front door and the car, those are all good. Remember, you have to do the work, but we were never meant to do it alone. I'll see you next time. Your tail swings in like a circular motion. Oh, in there? What? Yeah. Chewie's got a big old booty. Chewie! with a big booty! Are you recording right now? Welcome back to another episode of A Better Next Birth with your host, Katie, or Phyllis Katie Bueller. Um, let's talk about the pros and cons of getting pregnant. The pros are you get to have birth the cons definitely include giving birth okay passing it off to phyllis katie bueller hey my friends (laughs) okay wait that wasn't even funny that wasn't even funny oh okay